Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park It is August 3rd, 2020. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. open a second one even though i already had one sitting here just uh for, effect, <laughs> for the effect i am tim herb as always i'm joined by my lovely co-host mr kevin bradley who's below me in this brady bunch uh square quadrant thing we got dan over this side we got dan in the bottom right dan james third week in a row dan what can we attribute this to like is it first and foremost first and foremost i want to thank my my lord and savior jesus christ like is that like, like, like whenever you're doing, is it going to be like whenever they're interviewing a boxer or UFC fighter at the end of a, after a fight? Like, what can you, what can you attribute to being, is it just your reproductive record is, is really taking a dive right now? Coronavirus. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have to, I was going to say, yeah, my Lord and Jay, Jesus Christ, but then I'll be pointing at Eric, uh, which would be weird. Um, but no, I'm just, it's easier doing it remotely. Um, just working from home. Like I, and my, plus my older kids, my youngest kid is young enough that he goes to bed early. And my older, older kids are old enough that they can be okay until nine 30. Yeah. We're going to have them on the show next week. Right. They're old That's enough right. to be on the podcast. They're a lot, <laughs> they, they are a lot more into the stats than I am. They're probably a lot oh. better at playing the game too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as you may have caught from the title and from Dan's uh, illusion, we have our buddy Eric Quintana of Mouse of the South up in the top right of your screen. If you're watching on YouTube, if you guys are listening to us on podcasts, Apple Podcasts, I think Google Podcasts has reviews now, leave a rating and or a review. We'll, we'll read it live on the show, as always, no matter what it says. Eric, long time no talk. A lot has happened. Stop, um, boys. Yeah, this podcast is brought to you by Barstool Sports because I want to call it <laughs> That's, That's dirty. That's <laughs> dirty. It's uh, nice being able to podcast with Eric and not feel like I'm going to fuck it up because last time we podcasted with him, it was in their studio and I was 
terrified Terrible. because can't, of can't use profanity <laughs> can't say anything too derogatory you got to keep it Eric, relatively clean who do you think is more terrified during those moments who has more like tortellini time squeaky bum time you oh, or kevin. kevin like who's kevin. more nervous <laughs> oh, no, okay so me me for sure because look i like on 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 regular occasion especially with the radio show i'll go back and listen to the actual on-air content to make sure i didn't say anything that I wasn't supposed to say or drop an f bomb. There, there have been times where I, in my head, have made up that I dropped some either either shit or fuck or whatever, and it never actually happened. But I can convince myself, or I got so anxious about it that I had went back and listened to the whole thing all over again. Same thing with yeah. the podcast. Whenever I say something that I'm like, ah, I probably should have said that. I'll go back and listen. It's not. It's never even that bad. But see, I'll- that's a metric for a good show here. It's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's when Brown Liquor Kevin starts. Thank you guys for uh, taking this time out of your Monday night. Brian Daniels was the first one in the trap saying, let me guess, next week's show is on Thursday. Yeah, it's we can't. No, we had one week where we were on Wednesday, and I was on vacation with my wife, and we, we got how two days you? late. Yeah, how dare for Number one, how dare you? Exactly. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Brian Daniels, you go Richard Gordon. Time out now. Yeah, Domer, uh, Elliot Beaven, uh, Gregory Fraser, Octavio Mengura, and Domer, the aforementioned Domer, saying bourbon is for bitches, scotch is for men. Um, yeah, it's uh, aren't they, it's aren't they literally the same thing? Trash. No, they're not. Huh? No, they're not at all. <laughs> I don't think we're. I don't think. I don't think we're the same. Basically, the same thing, just made in different places. No. Oh no, it's the whole no. mash bill and no. like certain ingredients as well, plus the and barrel. barrels and yeah, no, water completely different. Uh, Listen, I don't know my just, bourbons. I don't Eric's know. Eric's done. I, I, all right, Eric, <laughs> thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see yeah. you next time. That's like saying Venezuelan and Colombian arepas are the same thing, right? That's it's just slander. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Wait, they're not. No. Corn, and flour, um, corn and flour tortillas are the exact same. Yeah, exact same. Um, what is, <laughs> They're all tortillas, right? On? What's everybody drinking on tonight, Kevin? What do you got? Uh, busted out the old medley tonight. 12-year, same mash bill as Wathan's, uh, heavy corn mash bill. 12-year. Mm. So is it sweeter? Yep, sweeter. Uh, not a higher proof either. It's only uh, 86 proof. So Nice. Nice. Gregory Fraser. I can't take the high proofs anymore. Yeah, I do like Stag Jr. though, man. Stag Jr. and that Elijah Craig barrel proof. I I like it every now and then just for a nightcap. Well, I, I don't. I'm not. It's too rich for my blood, Kevin. I can't get the Stag <laughs> Jr. <laughs> okay. Dan, okay. Fine. Dan, how about that? Gregory Fraser popping like he noticed you sipping on it. I think. He's, oh, Dan, you're yeah, drinking awesome. a citrus green tea ahas. We were just at Publix and I saw them in the drink section. I was like, those look like craft beers. Like the, the labels on them and everything. Yeah. These are my new favorite, the citrus and green tea. The one I liked previous was, um, I think it was like pomegranate and blueberry or something, but I had just no too many. pomegranates. Yeah. But now I've just got a four roses. And you got San Pellegrino. Is that what you're drinking, Eric? What'd you get? Yeah. Keep it, keeping it clean with some uh, the four roses, single barrel, single barrel. mineral water. I um I swear What's by that? this. Oh, limoncello. Limoncello. This is actually the first time I've actually bought one of these. I love San Pellegrino. Oh, I was actually supposed to get a full case of them, but uh, Postmates let me down. Oh no, bastards! Sorry, man. It's uh, like that time. 
Speaking of bubbly water, Tim let me on to a fact that I didn't realize that Topo Chico is going to get into the hard seltzer game. Oh, sweet. That is a fucking game changer for yeah. white boy, white claw boy over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're oh, talking wow. about, so like as far as spicy water goes, Topo Chico's like top of the chain in yeah. terms oh, yeah. of quality. It's uh it's quite quite the seltzer. It's uh then I'd say uh San Pellegrino is just on the uh maybe a little bit below it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. I've never had yeah, we're... that. Is it similar to Perrier? Because I hate that shit. I don't know. This is it's mineral water. It's, I mean, it's, it's yeah. sparkling water. It, it, to me, it all tastes the same, just with very, very minor differences. But it's the fucking scotch and bourbon shit all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I, here you are giving on the illusion that you have some sophisticated palate cooking up swordfish and everything else. No, hold on, that's different. All, all Eric Lagasse over there, and then, <laughs> and then it comes in. When you talking spent, about how when you spent as much time at home by yourself, <laughs> you, you start getting a little creative with what you cook and how you cook it. I I put a, a steak in a air fryer, which actually turned out fantastic. It's just no, country don't, fried steak. Don't knock <laughs> it. It's fantastic. It's just um, country fried steak. I hope you got b- gravy to go with it. Swordfish, salmon steaks. I'm trying to think. I've uh, I did, so I did lamb a few days ago. Um. That's about it. But it's all basically done other than the like the one time I did steak in an air fryer. It's basically all done in a cast iron skillet. Um, so so what's the craziest thing everybody's made in quarantine? Because I think that's a good point. I, I think everybody's been baking or cooking crazy shit, coming up with things off the cuff to make to get through these trying times. Well, the swordfish for me was like that's that's the first time I've ever tried that. And I would rather have had it fresh, but you know, I'll take what I can get. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised with how good that tasted. That was nice. something new that I tried that I probably would never have tried before. Yeah. Right in up. the trap, in the trap, what is the most interesting thing you have cooked during, uh, during quarantine? I can't think of like anything crazy that I've cooked. Dude, my latest kick is just getting a bowl and putting a couple spoons of peanut butter, a couple spoons of whipped cream, a couple spoons of Lily's chocolate chips, just eating it right out of the bowl. Di- diabetes. No, no, no. It's sugar-free peanut butter. It's oh, come low, on. low-fat whipped cream and sugar-free chocolate chips. It's just all fiber. That's disgusting, Kevin. You just, it that, that, that like... just runs right through you. <laughs> no, it, it, it hardens back up again somehow. He's got to push that one out real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a cork. Awful. You just need a cork. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it's quarantine is interesting. Like, you hear all these things about what people should do with their free time, like cook, start baking, learn a new language. Well, you know, really, you know, spend some good time self-improvement during this quarantine. Let me tell you, when you've got three kids, there is fuck all free time. In <laughs> fact, there is nothing that you 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 barely have time to do a day's work. Well, you and certainly had enough to make them all. So who's I mean, <laughs> right. it's your own fucking fault, Dan. <laughs> well, it it only took me two minutes either one. We teed you up perfectly, Dan. What's the craziest thing you've made? Another child during <laughs> <Right. laughs> So Why is that really one. crazy, or is that just kind of run of the mill now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, we got on a kick of making homemade pizzas, like with self-rising dough, and oh, I just, 
Oh, I was man. putting um I would put a packet of like Sazon or um Acciotti powder in it just to turn the yeah. the pizza crust orange like a pastele. Yeah. You turned me on to making shortbread cookies and then that week that Stacy was here we made Dunkaroo dip in a fucking massive batch of like 50 shortbread cookies and we're just eating this is this has been my quarantine is just making things in large <laughs> batches and just shoveling it into my face. Next time I go yeah. over to an actual live production in the room in your studio. I'm going to bring my uh, cast iron skillet cookie cake that I make. Oh my gosh. That I made a couple times. That's fantastic. Dan's going to need an extra bottle of insulin for that one. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll have to do it for uh, cast iron skillet cookie cake. For the content, right? Yeah. Elliot Beaven says catfish? Question mark? I don't don't know why that's a question, Elliot. Um, Octavio said spicy Thai iced tea popsicles. Whoa, okay. that's interesting. That's next level. Domer, vegan, talk about next level. Domer might as with Domer Lagasse. We got, uh, no, Domer Batali, right? Uh, vegan pasole with pinto beans instead of chicken. All right. Um, Brian Daniels. He didn't say that was just out of a Prego can, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Daniels is a hot pocket. Brittany S. Uh, enchiladas. Um, Richard Gordon said two kids, but exactly. It's only been it's only been six months, and he's already made two. How is that even possible? <laughs> What's your secret, Richard? I think Chiefs coach Steve says homemade pizza is the thing, and that's correct. I will say, I have, been, I have been eating a lot of tacos lately. Yeah, those are easy to make. Oh, man. by the way, I'm disappointed in you guys for not taking me up on my challenge, this hot sauce challenge thing. Oh, I'm totally. Oh, I'm down. a pussy when it comes to hot sauce. I'm totally. <laughs> I just like flavor. Um, I, I like the uh, Chalua and then some Sriracha, and that's about it. I can't so go the, much harder than that. The problem I have is I didn't know which ones you had gotten because I so, didn't store run to do it. Oh, well, that's the thing. So you're probably not going to be able to get these in the store. Not even I'm, at Beaufort Highway? <laughs> not even at Beaufort Highway. So the oh, ones right. that, so have you ever seen the show Hot Ones on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm getting the season 12 lineup for that. Uh, and do you just order them off Amazon or something? Right, yeah. So they they come in like a whole. They sell them as a pack. Oh, they do. How much are yeah. those? I I think they're like sixty bucks for all of them. They're expensive hot sauces. Okay, I think we should do a um, maybe we just do a special show where we all get on here and do it at the same. There time. There you go. Done. I like it. Yeah. I know but Tim yeah, and I are definitely down though. I will say what the last the best hot sauce. The last dab was incredibly disappointing. The last dab is is really good, uh, but not nearly as hot as you'd think. I've heard Da Bomb is the worst one da, out of the line. So Da Bomb is pretty bad. I think the one I think it's the one right before Da Bomb. I think it's usually Mad Dog. That's the one I tried that you get that that's the one that the YouTube video was basically reacting to. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it was that that one that one that one hurt. A good bit. It didn't make me cry or anything, but it made my friends cry. A few of my <laughs> friends they cried after that one. Uh, but that was that one was the one that really got me. All the other ones that I've tried are more than fine. The last dab I put like on 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 tacos the next day just by itself because it was that good. Okay. So yeah, we'll definitely is, have to do that. What what is the best hot sauce? What is everybody's favorite? What's your go to, Kevin? Um. Fuck. Um, come back to me. I know what it is, but I can't think of the name of it. Tapatio. Got it. Oh, okay. What I like that you one. Yucateco. Is it Yucateco? Hold on. Oh, and I've actually been on 
Kroger's private selection, they have a mango habanero. Yeah, El Yucateco. I'm a big fan of right now. El Yucateco is my uh, my go-to right now. That one's pretty hot too. Not crazy, but it's pretty hot. Dan yeah. said Cholula. You like Cholula for Dan. Ketchup, ketchup. Basically, mix some mayonnaise in there. A cross. <laughs> a fancy sauce. Oh, God. That's yum yum. That's yummy yummy sauce at a Japanese restaurant, right? No, That's it's right. not. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, no, I say that or sriracha. Like a Frank's guy, right? I, yeah, I yeah. I like Frank's. I love the taste of cayenne sauce. Like, my problem with a lot of the hot sauces is not the heat. It's like it has nutter to it. Like, a lot so, of the. The habanero that, ones are just so disappointing because it's nothing but like grassy heat is all it is. So the 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 bomb that that Kevin was referencing that one is just a lot of it's just heat, no flavor. Um, the Mad Dog three fifty seven that I was talking about earlier that's the same way, just a lot of heat, no flavor. The reason I think that Last Dab is not nearly as hot is because it actually does contain a lot of flavor. On top of the fact that the Mad Dog and the bomb those are extracts of these of whatever peppers they're using versus. Uh, just last dab and some of the other ones are yeah. more like natural ingredients that are that are that, that include the flavor and kind of counteract each other a little bit it doesn't stay in your tongue as long um as the ex- extracts do um and i think the extracts actually like cut into your tongue a little bit like micro cuts or whatever oh wow so yeah that sounds terrible sounds great can't <laughs> wait it's fantastic we're going to do that show, and, and Dan's going to shred it up for us. He's, he's going to do an acoustic <laughs> set to end the show tonight. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I see your guitar in the background. So wait, that yeah. that extract is like a uh, skull where it has like fiberglass in it, and it cuts into your lip. So you no, get I, all, I, uh, I, I forget exactly how it works, but I know that it – I think that that's what it does. I might be wrong. Someone oh. fact-checked me on that, but I'm pretty sure that like the, the spices like do – like it's some kind of micro cuts or whatever. Or micro burns, I forget what it was, but it's the reason it stays longer is because it's an extract as opposed to natural ingredients or whatever. It's like huh. a concentrated form, right? Yeah, that oh, sounds man. just terrible. That's terrible. Why, why would you do that to your body? Yeah, I don't know. I, dude, it, I love, it'd be I, way worth going out. The, the 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 reason I started doing all these hot sauce things is because one, because I love the show. Like, I gotta eat ice cream beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> gotta soften the blow. But that's that, what I can do. Just go to Chick-fil-A and get that milkshake, that Oreo milkshake before you start. It's like, oh, I'm but good. I can I can eat whatever I want. I'm oh. very into trying to figure out the like a good <laughs> mixture of uh heat and flavor. Like that perfect so that I, I basically I'm I'm working through all these hot sauces to figure figure out which ones are the ones that I actually like and don't like and um so I know what, what to buy next time. You should make some, man. It's not that hard to make. It's not, no. It's, so Eric, is it so I'm a big like flavor guy, so I prefer flavor over heat, but does the heat does it just add something to the food like a texture would? It's just like another sensory thing or like I because I just don't get like some pe- like why you'd want it that hot. Love yeah. exactly. Like why do you want it that hot? Well it's also the capsaicin gives right. you a certain like stimulus right like doesn't it yeah. release some sort of like chemical reaction in your brain at a certain point i that's what I, i've always heard with the capsaicin anyway. i can't explain that aspect of it. i don't know why i like it i just i just do i have some sauces in there that aren't that hot i've got one that's like a pineapple habanero that isn't hot at all but it's got like this nice obviously a pineapple type of uh flavor to it with enough heat where it's not like you it's not even close to you're not, you're barely going to notice it. Yeah. 
uh, but it's just enough to make it not just a pineapple sauce. That's how uh, that mango habanero sauce that I've yeah. got is too. So, very similar. Well, uh, but uh, I, I, I can't explain why why I like the burn. Interesting. Uh, we're eighteen well, minutes. Well, great show, guys. We're just trying to avoid talking about <laughs> Orlando winning again. I think is just the main thing here. It's just another. I, it's I'm not, avoiding. Not Time out. Well, let me let me let me ask you guys. Wouldn't you rather them win this tournament and lift another trophy to no fans? <laughs> because that would be the epic. Yeah, sure, you can have this one. Go celebrate. Go lift your trophy. Go do your thing in, in a stadium that's completely empty. Have fun. Oh, oh man, this meaningless tournament that's gonna that that no one is gonna remember after a year. Oh no, they will. They'll they'll remember it like they remember Orlando those USL trophies. Orlando will remember. They'll they'll bring it up like all those USL trophies. Guarantee <laughs> it. I mean, yeah, I'm not because I mean probably because if we were in it, I'd be all about it. But as we're not, I I am. I've been enjoying having soccer to watch, um, but otherwise, it it is. I mean, hope I hope to God we don't have another tournament like this again because. Um, yeah, it is. It does feel kind of meaningless. Yeah, even more so now. You know what's yeah. more meaningless? ESPN Plus. It's a garbage fucking subscription service that no one should ever pay real money for, unless yeah. they want to watch the fights. Tim, I get it. Yeah, oh, you, I can watch a Birmingham City game like once every. You're the one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're you're the one Birmingham the one person, yeah, in the U.S. <laughs> I take that back. Isn't Brian Daniels? Isn't he a Birmingham City supporter also in the trap? Poor the bastard. One that you, yeah, poor bastard. Um, I, I long for the days of Nikola Zigic. You know what I mean? <laughs> six yeah, foot, that one time we nine of them <laughs> in the FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't even the FA. I think it was just no, the, it was, it was the, the uh, Cup. Carabao Cup or whatever. Yeah, yeah. the League Cup. What was it so, back then? It wasn't the Carabao Cup, right? It was um, Carling Cup. Carling Cup. It was the Carling Cup back then, yeah. So um, I saw, I can't remember who posted it on Twitter, but someone said seeing Orlando City and Minnesota United in the final of this would be a little bit too on the nose for us Atlanta United fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, it could very likely happen unless Philadelphia can pull something out. Yeah, because what is what's left is right, what's up is down. Like it's not. This is 2020. I mean, I I would not expect Portland or Philly to make it to the final at this point, right? Because what that would make sense. Like it would make sense that those teams would win. But hold on, right. am I lo- am I looking at this right? P- Philly and Portland on one side of the bracket. Orlando and Minnesota. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, what? They're playing right. each other. Okay. No, it's yeah. still it's made, the over, analogy still holds. It's going to oh, still yeah. somehow end right. up being. <laughs> Minnesota and Orlando in the final. <laughs> I, had to, right. I had to double check. I was like, wait, hold on. I thought that they were on opposite ends of the bracket. There's no way that okay. Orlando or on the same side of the bracket. There's no way Orlando and Minnesota are going to the finals. Yeah, but I guess um, they Unless probably gets will home from COVID. COVID, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walker Zimmerman or somebody. No, not what. Yeah, Walker Zimmerman, I guess, from Nashville. Somebody sneaks in and gives everybody the, the Rona. Yeah, I'm pulling for Philly. <laughs> so did yeah, you watch it's... the game? Did you guys watch that game the other night? I did. I watched uh I watched most of it. Yeah. What were your thoughts? Um I was 
pretty entertained. I was shocked in how good Orlando were. Um, they were, <laughs> I mean, Chris Mueller is, has been real good, but I couldn't, I kept on remembering um, Moutinho for Orlando. He was the guy who got red carded when LAFC came to Atlanta that one time. Yep. I think he got red carded and he was like their second red card. And it was towards the end of the game. And then I think, was it Andrew Carr? No, Romario Williams scored afterwards. Yeah, it was 4 nothing or no, 5-1, 4-1, something like I think that. It was 5-0, I think. It was a drubbing. That's what it was. It was, yeah, it yeah. was a destruction. But anyway, what I mean, did you guys watch it? What did you think? No, I've watched a little bit of Orlando throughout this tournament. Again, I wanted to watch the game, but ESPN Plus is garbage. And so... All I can really speak to is Orlando's success prior to uh, Atlanta falling out of the cup and me subsequently stopping my viewing of the tournament. But, um, dude, I've been really impressed with what I've seen out of Mueller out of everybody else in Orlando's mm-hmm. lineup. And I think that he's a big driving factor behind their success so far, at least in this tournament. And yeah, it seems like, like Manny uh, has something left in the tank as well. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah, been so- playing a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, I think they pointed out this was like the longest break he had had in like two years, something like that, leading into this tournament because he had wow. played between a couple, I don't know if it was from the Euros to uh season, and where was he at, Sporting Lisbon? Uh, or Sporting, he's in Sporting, right, in Portugal? And then he came to Orlando. And I think between those three seasons or those three things, he hadn't, like this is the, like his body was just broken down at a certain point. He's getting older too, but yeah, he definitely looks good. I mean, it, it's it's dangerous if I mean we saw shades of that with Chris Mueller right over the past two years. Whenever you know shades of brilliance, whenever he's gotten on the field, but if it seems like the, unfortunately they've got a great manager. Yeah, (laughs) it's like that's like the missing piece. I mean, we joked about Jason Christ. He obviously couldn't get anything going with this team whenever he was there. And same way, who joked about it? That's still my pick, man. (laughs) Still my pick. He's 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 a proven MLS champion, like champion caliber coach. Like, why would you not want to pick him up? Hardy har har. Yeah. (laughs) No, what what are your thoughts Jerks. on Orlando right now, Eric? I mean, given given as much stick uh, as we've given them over the years. Look, I it's it's fantastic. Well, not fantastic. It is what it is that they're doing uh, as well as they are in this tournament. Um it's it's you're going to have this kind of uptick whenever you have a new coach and you've, you know, you you actually like the coach and uh, he's got some kind of a reputation behind him. So nice caveat know, that you just put in there. I see what you did. You uh, you know, you, there's going to be you're going to see the same thing for Atlanta United if, if they hire someone from South America or someone from Europe with like hell of respective uh, respect in their name. Um, I don't know. I don't know who. I don't have no. I don't have the slightest idea who I, I'd even lean. But um, you're always going to have this kind of uptick of of, of morale of of, of uh, you know uh, the way they play. They're gonna they're gonna play better, especially at, at the out out the gate. Uh, the real where I'm really curious is how they kind of manage this next part of the, the 2020 season, whatever this longer 16, 18 game regular season thing as is after this tournament, how they handle that, how they handle a, a non tournament sort of format. Um, and whether this thing is something that's, that's 
you know, has the legs to see out the rest of the season. Cause remember they, they, I forget what season it was. I think it was like 2000, was it 2017 where they won six of their first seven or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then, they just bought they lost like that. all yeah. but one game. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, well, for, for them, I'm talking about Orlando city fans. It's fantastic. There's that, like, I guess for the first time they're finally, you know, winning and they're finally relevant when it comes to it being an MLS took club. The whole world but, falling apart. Yeah. But I mean, this are, these are unique circumstances. This is a, a, a certainly unique season. Um, You've got a new coach, and because it's still this relatively the same players, it's not like they made drastic changes. Um, you just brought in someone who these players are going to play under and play for, and and want to prove that you know they belong. And um, you mix that all with what's going on with COVID and this this weird tournament. You know, I, so, I good for them again. If 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 I want them to win, if there's a time I want them to win, it's now where they can lift the trophy to no one. So how- in Orlando. How much of this, their success, do you attribute them to not have to play in front of their fans? Ninety nine percent. I mean, they didn't have to play in front of that many to begin with. That's so. the that's the true pressure cooker for them, having to play in that stadium with with those those obnoxious fans. Uh, you, you take that away, and all of a sudden they can be free to express themselves and the way they want and. Well, it, it does go. go to, I mean, I was kind of joking, but, you know, they, they've they had so much vitriol thrown at them and so much unrest within the fan base towards the team. And to, I mean, to the fans' frustration, but it potentially could be a burn, a benefit to them that they're, they're, like you say, in this bubble, in this like little summer camp that they've got going on together, where they're all coming around singing Kumbaya by the fire every night and so they can have more they can generate more of a chemistry between them with this new coach that they brought in so i i hadn't really thought about that i think that's a good point eric Oscar well, kind of michelle to liken all of orlando to a parking lot but okay <laughs> <laughs> well i mean think about it oscar Pereira is like really the the first real coach that they've had i mean i'm not not to knock on jason christ but like he clearly he hasn't he hasn't been hired anywhere else since or, or even been sniffed at for for any kind of coach. Actually, what's he doing? Yeah. You what is like all this disrespect for James MNP, O'Connor? Right? I thought I thought Jason Christ was like the U23 coach yeah, in the US. Never mind. So right. I, I, I apologize. He's doing something that's relatively irrelevant right now. But um you know, you, you missed on Jason Christ, you missed on, on James O'Connor. Now you brought in Oscar Breja, who has again some kind of a reputation, and everyone seems to like the hire. So you can't really blame. It, basically, you you won't get this this. What I think go, is going in their favor is that the fan base isn't going to kind of turn on the front office like it has before with these hires and with maybe the player selections and whatnot. This is a hire that everyone kind of loved in Orlando, um, and so if it goes south or. It, if uh, Oscar Pereira didn't really work out, they're all going to be like, "Well, he sucks. He's he's not he's not the coach for us. He's not the coach that we wanted. He's not the coach that we were looking for." Um, you know, on to the next guy. But they're not going to blame. What's different about this is they're not going to blame the front office. They're not going to blame the players. They're going to specifically look at Oscar and be like, "Yeah, you let us down, or you weren't the guy for us." But the ownership has not changed, correct? The only the same ownership are the ones who have hired Oscar Pereira than that have hired Christ and James O'Connor. That's my understanding. So part, it's, yeah. it's kind of that to me is a little bit remarkable in terms of you've had these owners that have been trying and 
just making these awful hires. But then they finally either corralled themselves together and it's like, you know, we really want to make a run at this rather than just um, trying to push at the investment side. So kudos to them for, for making this hire and, and um, kind of think a lot of he would be great for Atlanta United right now. Yeah, so one of the things that I was going to say with it, I, th- I think the Orlando, actually, I mean, we're not, obviously, we're not Orlando supporters, right? We don't follow the ins and outs, watch them every week, you know, you know, watch all the stuff that the, the front office does. But, I mean, looking at what they did, was that last year or two, year, two years ago, whenever they, they thought they could just splash a bunch of money for a bunch of MLS medium good players, right? Like Sasha Kleschen, uh Justin Miram, like they, they seem to try and fill out the roster with proven MLS guys and it didn't just didn't work out for them, but it seemed like they were still, I mean, to that point, it's like, Dan, you talk about them, like not just looking at the investment and looking at the, like trying to win. It looked like, I don't know. I felt like that was kind of always there for them. It's just one of those things. Like you see that in some sports where you, you try and hire five mercenaries on a team and it just doesn't work out for you. Like you hire, you know, you sign a bunch of guys that are on, uh, you know, that are free agents and the chemistry doesn't work. The And then it just kind of blows up in your face. And I think that's what happened here. I mean, listen, I mean, Oscar Pereja was with Dallas for how long? Like four years, something like that. Um, the only thing that I think he might run into again, it seemed like with Dallas in all Dallas sports is like in the middle of the summer in an outdoor stadium shit in, in the middle of Orlando in an outdoor stadium in the summer, like shit's yeah. just going to hit the fan at a certain point. You got to, yeah. we'll see what happens whenever he get what he gets out of those players. I mean, um, so do we know what's going to happen with the regular season? I have not seen any details other than the fact that they want to have a regular season, but still no specifics. I saw that like games can start as early as the 25th. If I, I think I saw that right. Um, but I don't know that they've come out with anything specific as of today, unless anybody else has. Uh, I've just heard 18 games that they're trying to get. But yeah. I have heard no no other specifics. Yeah. Yeah, I heard the same thing. I think it was like 16 to 18 games, but they haven't made uh, any kind of definitive statements as to what, uh, what it was going to be as of yet. I think they're still kind of waiting to see what happens with – some of these other leagues and the COVID protocol and everything like that. To I think ultimately that's what they what they're gonna what they're doing now in term in terms of waiting. Um, all signs seem to point that this whatever this sixteen eighteen game season regular season, which was a lot more than I thought it was gonna be. I think originally we heard nine, and then we got it got it bumped up to it got bumped up to sixteen or eighteen, which great. Um, I don't know how excited it would have been before Frank DeBoer's uh, departure because I don't know how many more games of that quality I would have wanted to see. Uh, but 16-18 with someone new with the understanding that that Atlanta United is going to be a little uh, – be seen, I guess, or, or be be coached with a set of fresh eyes. Um, I'm excited to see where it can go, even though I know it kind of changes all over again in 2021 because they're not going to stick with Stephen Glass for the foreseeable yep. future. So what are your guys' expectations for the rest of this season, whatever it may be, um, for this Atlanta team at this point? We did get the news about Kubo coming back and getting signed on with Atlanta this past week. 
Uh, I'm assuming you're expecting <laughs> to see him play, but the um, social media team misfiring the or the whoever was put the the notifications in the queue incorrectly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Kubo Torres. Like I have my notifications turned off on my phone as much as I can for anything, and I didn't get it. But just seeing the screenshots pop up, I was like, oh, no, yeah. Darren's somebody's getting fired today. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, what are you what are you guys' expectations for the rest of the season? I mean, his highlight tape is not great. Um he scored some goals, he scored some scrappy goals, um, where he's just sticking a leg out from a cross coming over, you know, a la sort of a Joseph special. But or uh Rude Van Nistelrooy made a career out of it, right? So Right. So I mean it's I mean, if he can get us goals, I don't care what the goals look like, as long as the builder plays pretty. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, hold hold on before you say that because we we just fired a manager based off the the, the style of play. Yeah, no, I think we we fired him after over the locker room stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. It seemed like some of the comments that were made. I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, th- I think the style of play definitely played into it. I mean, Darren Eels, was he not talking about rather, we'd rather to quote whoever, who said that last week? We'd rather lose four to three or we'd rather, ra- yeah, rather win four to three. No, uh, somebody on the pod- podcast last week. Oh, Patrick, our buddy Patrick was on. He was like, yeah, I'd rather win four to three than one to one to zero. And that's what Darren Eels said, essentially. It's like, okay, so DeBoer could have probably, you know, scrapped out some games and still probably met his end. I mean, we, I see, it seems like we all forget that he was ex- doing exactly that, and we almost went to MLS Cup for the second year in a row. I, uh, I didn't forget that. <laughs> I was yeah, saying no, that all last week. The fan base. <laughs> the fan base seemed to forget that, that we were playing exactly that. We were playing relatively boring soccer, not as exciting, and somehow, unbelievably, we made it – we should have probably uh, been in MLS Cup for a second year oh, in a row. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and there's no way he's getting fired if he gets to MLS. Well, mutual, they, there's no way he's mutually parting ways if he uh, this early into 2020 if we get to that game. We don't even have to win it. Just get to that game, and you've got all of 2020 uh, for you to kind of manage. So it's kind of like almost like a, a blessing in disguise that he didn't get, we didn't get to MLS Cup because we would have been stuck with Frank DeBoer. Which again, I, it's weird because I don't really. He must have had a, either a really bad agent. Or Atlanta United was just like that. We're gonna convince you to mutually part ways because I gotta think that someone like Frank DeBoer, knowing his last two coaching jobs, had to have put something in his contract saying, "If you hire me, you got it. There's a buyout if you fired me before the two year option." If we're if assuming that it was a two plus two type of deal like Tata, I didn't and think Darren did, would have signed anything he, like that. If he didn't have that, his agent is dumb. Well, I mean, that's, the, uh, that's the easiest way to collect on money that you, that you never have to work for. Yeah, that's the the uh, Gene Chizik. Uh, I was gonna say that's the Auburn specialty, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's the Gene Chizik model. Has yeah, give me a buyout clause. No, I mean, I think mutual. Darren Darren probably said, "Hey, we can either say we fired you, or we can, you know, we it, could I we just, could say it was mutual." I didn't understand because if it's a two and two, and it's, I think it's a safe assumption but still a pretty big assumption if it's a two and two you must have really felt strongly that that he just it wasn't even going to be the guy to finish out the season obviously that's how they felt 
um, and they didn't even want to do this meaningless season, which regardless of, of, of how it ends for who, it's still going to have a massive asterisk next to it and, and, a, and a, it's going to be remembered as a weird season and no one's going to care who the champion was. Even if it's a maybe that's why they maybe that's why they did it. You maybe know? otherwise mm-hmm. it was like, well, we'll just putter on through the rest of this season, and then we're gonna be starting next season with him most likely, and then have to switch gears in the middle of a season that you expect to be a full run, um, rather than kind of getting ahead of it this year. If they saw that trajectory headed that way, whatever the outcome is this year, it seems to make more sense just logistically speaking for the timeline. Yeah. My guess yeah, is they, think- my guess is they didn't have to pay out anything extra because because they could do just that. If if you fire if well if you mutually part ways um, this early in the season when you have when you can decline his option at the end of this meaningless season, it must have been pretty easy uh, easy and simple decision for Lane United just to kind of move on from him and not have to pay. Well, I don't know maybe they did pay him. I don't know, but I gotta imagine that that didn't factor in the equation to to let him go. I think yeah. that. Um, I think it was listener Joe Patrick, and he was talking about how because Eels and uh, Bocanegra were down there and were able to spend time with the team <clears throat> and could see the team's attitude like out off the field, that it was just a bad situation that needed to get remedied. And if if they'd have kept him, every game that we would play to in whatever situation this season is the fickleness of the financial market of of football is gonna your assets are gonna depreciate a lot quicker so i think it makes i like the move i think it was a good thing for them to do i think it was decisive um and i think they did it for the right reasons but um well now they got like now they got like six, seven months to go find a new exactly. coach in 2021, right. which is right. great yeah. because now they can take exactly. their time with that. They don't have to worry about doing it in a matter of a month after the season ends or anything like that. Right. Or um, in the middle of next year, whenever yeah. you've got a full run of games. No, absolutely. On top of that, you have let everyone know that the position is open. Yeah. So right. anyone that's interested, let us know. Right. Realistically, so that, though, how much of that coaching can be done remotely? Because we still don't know if our borders are going to be opened up for international travel and all that, right? I mean, in, in 2021. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I mean, fingers the crossed. Way things are going right now. You still, you have no idea. You got to think about like uh, that's in the back of my mind in some ways. I mean, and who's to say? I mean, what do you, you know, Eric? We, I guess everybody's kind of talked about is the season's kind of a throwaway. It's kind of this weird thing and there's not a whole lot to take from it, but what happens if Steven glass comes out and he leads this team to, you know, going deep into the playoffs, he's playing the style we want to play. No, I I don't think so. Not the way Darren was talking about him. They seem dead set on finding somebody else and his media conference and communication that he had last week. He almost flat out said like, Glass is not going to be the manager. And I think Doug or somebody may have even asked him something like that. But uh, he he said something. He alluded to the fact of the amount of work and the success he's been able well, – success being sort of a speculative term as it relates to Atlanta United too because they haven't had a whole lot of it. But the role that he plays with that team and the academy and stuff like that is more valuable to them than him being the manager for Atlanta United. On top of that, you probably want someone that can really connect with the South American players. If you're right. going to keep that pipeline alive, um, 
if you're going to you know turn pity and, and Barco's career in, in the right direction, you got to have someone that can that can connect with them on a better level than just you know right. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you tactically where you should be, and then you're gonna go out and do it. You want to build you want you want to have more chemistry, a better relationship than than those two guys had with Frank DeBoer. If the plan is to which it is, if the plan is to um you know to to move Barco and Pity at some point. So something Pity, else that you and something else that I just only thought about just now whenever you were talking about um, Boca Negra and Darren Eels being down at the tournament is I feel like every other team I saw some sort of tweet or MLS Instagram post or something about the, what the teams were doing in the bubble and like all of the teammates kind of hanging out at the pool or doing this or doing that. I don't recall any of that from the Atlanta United players in showing any sort of camaraderie or sense of like those connections that you hope that they have on a personal level. Like, I think that's ultimately what led to a lot of the success under Tata's regime was that the players seem to really have that relationship with one another, particularly with Joseph and Miggy, right? Like they were such great friends that I think that led to some of their chemistry on the field. And I just don't know that any of that is really happening right now with this team behind closed doors. I, I don't, I wonder what the answer to that is because I don't know that just bringing random not random, but just bringing players in is going to really solve that. I think no. that you had that special chemistry because they because those those players all kind of came up together building something, uh, you know, in Atlanta United in 2017 that was you know that had never been done before. Um, they also played really well off of each other. Uh, you know, right. that's why we all were so bummed about the fact that Yamil Assad left. I, I I forget which podcast I heard on, but talk about Yamil being a top level. He's he's not a top level anything. He's a he's a good piece to a team that's already built. Um, but he was such a great asset for Atlanta United because of the chemistry, because of what and I think that chemistry was what allowed him to play better than maybe um he be played better, better than, than his actual level. Right. Yeah. Uh because again, he's uh, not falling off the face of the earth, but not nearly as efficient with DC United. You could say the same thing about Gressel and um, Miggy to an extent, but the point is they all were kind of here together at a time where they were they the chemistry. Go ahead, say, was say Tito. Or, we all know you want to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tito was part of the. I mean, Tito's part of that equation too, because I mean, look, look at look at the moments he had with Atlanta United. As much as I dog on him, it's he still had those amazing moments with Atlanta United that uh, you know that that changed specific parts of the season or that that left you know lasting impacts to the fan base and to everyone that that played with them. Uh, but those guys have left, and you've got Pity and Barco who haven't really had that opportunity to create that organic chemistry with anyone that uh, that that has turned into something successful. You look at Joseph, you look at Miggy, you look at uh, Gressel, you look at everyone we're talking about from 2017 and 2018, they all grew and were successful together. We still get to see that from Pity. We're still yet to really see that from Barco. Um, you know, everyone else that we can even think of that that would be that that kind of a Hispanic game changer. It, we're, we're still yet to see that same sort of chemistry and, and success kind of develop. All that stuff is kind of, you're hoping that you get that at the next manager and, and maybe you get some of that in uh, some of the guys that you're looking to bring in. But until that happens, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how successful pity is going to be in Atlanta United or, or to finish out his career. 
because uh, it's just I don't know that he's he's dependent on someone else. Barco's not that guy. Pity's dependent on someone else to 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 give him the opportunity to showcase it, whatever it means. Whether it's someone like Almiron or or I don't even think Joseph Martinez is it because. Joseph, even when he was on the on the pitch, uh, even when he was on the pitch, he still wasn't um, that impactful. He had moments, pity did, but he, he wasn't a game changer like we thought he was going to be when he came in. So my hope is that once these new players kind of come in to the for the latter half of of whatever the, the rest of 2020 season is, I'm hoping that that kind of starts to build the chemistry for 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 pity, um, so that he can kind of create his own version of what what you know the the ogs of atlanta united kind of had in 2007 2018 because that's what you need that's what you're looking for and that's what it wasn't created under frank DeBoer, um and that's what is almost impossible to create under a, a like frank DeBoer because there's seemingly no i don't know there's like a specific hispanic passion that needs to be seen i guess from hispanic players or something along those lines because I, I can't even i can't even imagine what that would look like for uh, like passion, what I what I think of like Frank DeBoer like being passionate. I still see like that stern like resting bitch face of of a of a of a look that Frank DeBoer would give you. Even even as passionate as he, even the happiest Frank DeBoer would still have that kind of like needs more tiki taka is what you're saying. Got <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, aren't they Pity. shutting down tiki taka? Never mind. But I think Pity needs to take. <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> Pity needs to take a good hard no more look tiki in, the tiki in this country. If, he, if Pity w- wants to get a move that is going to be a step up from Atlanta United, he needs to be able, he needs to change his attitude and to be that player who can be the glue to bring others together. Because I feel like, I feel like he put, he can put in a lot of effort. I've seen that here and there, but he needs to be the guy to, be able to shoulder responsibility against the rest of the team. And, and we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that out of him. We haven't seen that out of Barca. Zebra can't change his stripes, Dan. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it, it may not happen, but I feel like in terms of him to get the next step, that's what he's got to do. Otherwise, he's otherwise, if he Unless really he's... wants to go to another level – it's he's gonna have to go somewhere else. I every time every time I think back to pity and and um, his comments on feeling what were disrespected by by the fact that no teams in Europe came calling or he didn't the, didn't have to go into a team in Europe or something like that. I laugh so hard when I think about that because he's not. I, I don't even know that he could get back to Argentina at this point. He's, he's that bad, right? Now. Right? Are you gonna take him at River again? If you did, it, you it would be under the 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 the. You'd be doing it just for the sake of nostalgia. That's but it. Yeah, but he wouldn't be going to River. He wouldn't be going to Boca. I mean, no. sure. I mean, could he go to Independiente? Maybe, maybe like an Estudiantes or a uh, San Lorenzo or or one of the you know the mid tier teams. Uh, maybe they could take Whoa, him back. Did but you just call San Lorenzo mid tier, Dan? I'm not exactly. I mean, it, I know that Boca Juniors <laughs> and River are like the best, and that's about it. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. I do love. I, I do love. Um, so I just pinned Dirty Bird Person's comment and being able to see their avatar bigger, and it's uh, King of the Hill wearing Atlanta United gear. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, saying, Feel "Is like that you Jay?" Just 
Herrera. No, that's huh? Bill, isn't it? No, I was talking about his avatar with the tank top. Yeah, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> um, real quick, Lindsey Wilson, a name I don't think I've ever seen in the trap. Uh, he said, just, just jumped on. Uh, powerful mustache, about, though. Yeah, big, powerful mustache. And I think, is that a... It looks like he's drinking a Moscow meal. Um, just jumped in. Has there been any talk about Dam Lopez or Kubo yet and how they fit and contribute to the team? I do kind of want to pivot uh, the conversation a little bit to that. Speaking of TikTok, if Tiki you know, right, if if Microsoft doesn't buy TikTok by September 15th, then Jurgen Dam is going to need to start playing on the field and doing well to you know endear himself to the or himself to the Atlanta United faithful because he'll just flip to Instagram stories. That's yeah. That's no you know, deal. we talked about it last. <laughs> talked about it last week. I mean, take Eric Lopez out of the equation uh, because he's young, um, doesn't really have a track record behind him. But between Jurgen Dam and Kubo uh, Kubo Torres, it's that broken broken guy syndrome where the girls trying to save and fix a broken guy, or Bocanegra and Darren Eels are bringing in guys that used to be good that we know have some good left in them, and they're trying. I I can fix him. I, I, I just know the, it, Susan. I can fix him. Just, if I put him with a diamond mid, I can fix him. We, we, we do wing backs. We do three in the back. You just see. <laughs> I think that. Uh, so the the Kubo Torres thing. I think that's just a desperation move more than anything. Yeah. It's it's a guy that you know. Hopefully, you can you can get something out of him while he's here. But he's clearly the 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 replacement, not the like for like, but the replacement for the hole that you have in, in uh, Joseph Martinez being out. Jurgen Dam, I I'm so curious as to how this even came about because he's basic. He's basically everything I wanted out of Tito. Um, at least based off the highlights and the little that I have seen, he's everything I wanted out of Tito. Um, Eric Lopez, I don't think is going to be that big of a factor. I, I might eat those words later, but I don't think he's going to be a big enough factor where we're even mentioning him this year or next year. Well, he's also an Atlanta United two player at the moment. I right. mean, we, this did get pointed out um, where Joseph got placed on IR on what Thursday, I think it was either yeah. Thursday or Friday. The day we, the day we signed Kubo. Yeah, right. Exactly. So everybody immediately jumped to, well, Kubo Torres that opens up the international slot, opens up a roster slot, senior roster slot, but Kubo has a green card, which, if I'm not mistaken, goes into 2027 because he's, I think he got it back in 17. I think their green cards are 10 years. Um, is that right, Dan? Yep. And then, um, but that opens up an international slot and that could lead into, because it was allocation day, right? Like we could, what did we unlock Wait. like a quarter million dollars worth of salary that day? By putting Joseph on IR and didn't it Yeah, we got a, a bunch of salary cap relief, but um right. We didn't putting Joseph IR didn't free up an international spot. Did it not? He, was Joseph? No, he's already on a green card. Oh, Joseph's on a green card. Yeah, I, um, I, I just didn't realize that. But that's probably. But I'm sure the green card, especially right now, factored hugely into the decision to bring in Kubo. Um, I don't know who else you're going to bring in at that uh, in that regard. Who? is a citizen or a green card holder or has a v unexpired P1 visa. Um, that's probably why they brought him in. And like you said last week, Tim, he's he's had some success. He's shown some potential. Um, so 
I guess that's why. I, I, I would I would venture to guess that it's not going to look great for for Kubo Torres because there's not a lot of at least this. I mean, okay, so I, I say that under the with the mentality that we're still under Frank DeBoer. Obviously, that's changed, uh, but there's just hasn't been a lot of service into the final third in any regard over the last definitely this tournament, but even later, the later half, the latter half of, of 2019, there was not, there's not a lot of service. Look at, look at the way that Joseph Martinez, his role changed um, toward the end of last year. And then even before the, the, uh, the stoppage happened, the first oh, two dude, games, he was dropping back to midfield. It, it's, it's, complete, it, it's, it's a complete shift in, in the way that, that he, that he's used to playing. And um, you didn't have a lot of service going into that final third, pretty much at all. And look at, look at MLS, look at the MLS's back tournament for Lane United. Not a lot of opportunities not a lot of chances created. I don't know. It doesn't matter who you put up there. It's, it's, you're not going to have a lot of opportunities for whoever it is. So it's, we're all going to look at Eric, uh, uh, Kubo Torres and think, um, that uh, you know uh, he was a miss, but ultimately it should kind of come down to how Pity and how Barco play. And I don't see any of that changing. Anytime. I don't know though. I I, I want to disagree only slightly because there were at least a few games. Red Bull's game I feel like was Atlanta's to win, and the second game was uh, was that the Cincinnati game or was it yes. the Columbus game? Yeah. That's the game. If Mulroney that, uh, doesn't get that early red card, that game's way different. Right, but even still, um, who was that? The Castro up top, you've got multiple opportunities and chance creation right in front of goal, in front of an, a wide open goal, where you have almost any other player in that position, and that ball is on frame and in the goal eight out of ten times. You know, So I, I think that – some of the chance creation is happening. I just think that there's this weird hesitancy for somebody to actually capitalize on it. And that's what my frustration is. And I don't know if that's Kubo or Dam or, you know, anybody for that matter. You know, that I think that's what the frustrating thing is, is nobody seems to be that go-to guy. Like if Joseph's on the field, everybody knows he's the guy that's going to step up and, and take the shot or finish. And I don't know that anybody's really filled that role yet. And Pity and Barco, anytime they're in front of goal, seem too hesitant to be that guy with the exception of a few opportunities where Barco pulls it back to his right and unleashes from the top of the 18 here and there. But I think because Joseph always has that, you know, he's got that gravity pull where he can pull a couple of guys with him. I feel like Torres could be potentially have more gravity than Jan or Castro or everyone else we're putting up there. So at least he can kind of pull some cracks in that bunker. Because if you if you leave Torres with an open goal, I mean, he's going to put it in. He's right. going to be the most accomplished striker on the team uh, by a long shot. So. I feel like I feel like he's got an opportunity. It was probably the best option that we had at this point in time. So we if we get more games in MLS this year, we will see. Yeah, I mean there are so many extenuating circumstances that would keep us from higher, you know, finding somebody of higher caliber, higher quality. Uh, I made Eric mad because I disagreed with him. He had to leave. Yeah, Eric had to leave. <laughs> what happened? No, he he jumped out, but I mean, to that to that point, you think about the pandemic, you think about to the point of the green cards, not having to worry about an international or immigration status. I mean, you see that happen so much. And uh, there's Eric. There he is. He's, there he is. I mean, with immigration, you see that hold so many transfers up, even in Europe, whenever COVID's not happening. Right. I mean, you see guys 
you know, on deadline day, not being able to secure work visas and that sort of thing. I mean, and, and then the fact that you have salary cap restrictions, you have the best striker in MLS on your team who is just, I mean, he's on IR right now, but we talked about this a little last week is like, how enticing is it for a really top level striker to come and play for Atlanta, knowing they're going to get benched at a certain point. And then, you know, we don't have a DP slot available for anybody that's, that's better. I mean, do you, do you I think, think you're one right, frees up this year? With everything going on, do you think Barco or Pity end up leaving this year? I, mean, I don't think Pity does, but do you think there's a chance that Barco? I don't think we're going to get the offers that we want for Barco. Yeah, me neither. But, I mean, I've, yeah, I, I still I feel like Barco, he's never, I'd never really seen Barco in a, like a good streak of form like we saw Almiron or. I mean, or we Joseph. saw it last year over the course of a couple games, right? I mean, it's, we saw it it's, last yeah, year and during like couple, the U19s know, or whatever, man. too. But well, Bargo suffers. He suffers from the same pity uh, problem. Pity suffers from. It's just less evident for Barco because he does have more moments where you're like, "Oh, there it is." Or pity. he makes up for it in the same sure, game because yeah. he's just a bulldog and wants to run everything down half of the time. It seems right. Like. Barco still the the good thing about Barco is he's still young enough to where he has time yeah. to still develop that aspect of his career. Pity, look, he's stuck in Atlanta until his contract is up. I think. Which no. sucks for yeah. Atlanta United fans, unless yeah. unless Atlanta United decide to bite the bullet and sell him at a loss, uh, that's the only way he's leaving Atlanta United. I think. I don't. Yeah, I don't know who you sell him to, and I think Eric is trying to summon the Parceros into the into the trap to to yell at him about all this. <laughs> I, dude, I, I don't know what. <laughs> Talk about him. pity three times, and Parceros Parceros will summon. Danny it's like it's like, it's like they think I have it out for just the Hispanic players, and they forget that I myself am Hispanic. So it's it's I don't under I don't get it. I don't understand. Like I I look at the game as objectively as possible, and I look at Pity, and I'm like, look, I'm not saying that all the problems fall on him, no. but you're massively massively underplaying, uh, or uh, you're not playing up to the the level that we even thought you'd not even a fraction of what the level that we thought you'd get to. Um, clearly underperforming. I don't know what the South American player of the year means. Uh, and you've essentially, you've essentially made Barco a, a, you brought Barco down, right? You brought essentially Atlanta United down as, as that, that DP level player that, that right. look all, everything I used to say about Tito when he was a DP player, I'm, I'm basically transferring over to, to pity because it's the same. It's the same argument. If you were going to pay you that much to be a, 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 a game changer, a DP for Atlanta United, Need you to act and play and and contribute on, on a consistent level, uh, to to the point where you're you are the game changer at game in and game out. I can't like I, I'll hear Jason Longshore talk about how oh yeah he had a great game against the Red Bulls and I'm like no like uh, sure fine he was fine against the Red Bulls. Oh, that was but Dan's when, argument last week. Well, when are you when are, me, when, are, when are we going to talk about PD being consistently? a game changer game in game out or consistently having good games and not this like up it's and Frank's down. Fault. Roller, it's all Frank's up fault. Up and down roller coaster, uh, a career that he's had with Atlanta United so far. I I'm ready. If it look me, the fan in me would be ready to cut ties with pity and, and put whoever comes up next uh, in his spot, because I would rather have anyone else other than pity right now. I don't yeah. want him taking another free kick. I don't want him taking another penalty. I nothing. That's interesting. How, like how much – so when you look at the successful teams, and I'm just spitballing here I, on the top of my head, I don't know. Like what are – I guess what are the three DPs for LAFC? You got Diego Rossi. You have – Carlos Vela. Carlos Vela. And who's their third? 
Uh, is that to Esther DP? Let me find out. Yeah, that that would make sense. But I'm just I'm just thinking like, is it smart to have all three DP slots accounted for in your attack? And two of them being Brian Rodriguez. Brian Rodriguez is the other one. Okay, so they have two strikers or three. Essentially, three strikers are their DPs. So maybe not. Yeah, that's what you're going to make the most money on, though. I mean, you're not going to no, make. No, for sure. If, if 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 we're talking about being a feeder league and being a flipping league, you are going to get goal sell, right? I mean, to that to that end, you're you're going to end up flipping those guys for more money. But like, would it make more sense at this point in time? Um, I think Greg Greg Fraser brought up the Jonathan Gonzalez talk. Um, you know, the new rumor is one you know first year on loan, ten million dollar transfer fee. Like, it doesn't make sense if we do move Barco or Petey to have a solid number six with potential to be the best number six in the league, probably um, take up a DP slot, like to have somebody anchor your midfield like that. Outside an egg bank. It, it just depends on what you're, what, what you're willing to admit that you missed on either pity or Barco. And my guess would be, it, it's a weird situation because you're paying pity over the long term. Um, you're paying pity much longer at the moment. Uh, I think I, I don't even know what Barco's What's his contract, contract is. is. I, 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 remember he, I remember hearing Pity's was like five years. Maybe. Well, Pity's that, making, I think, 27, I believe. Barco's making more than Pity right now. Right. But that's on the longevity of the of the contract is is more of a concern because mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> because Pity is. I, with the amount of money he's making, I seriously doubt he's gonna be like, "Yeah, sell me to whoever," because he's probably not gonna be making as much, especially now. So he's not gonna—he likely not gonna be asked to move. Um, Atlanta United would essentially be biting the bullet and selling him at a loss and admitting that we missed on pity, which to me would be fine. Um, I'd rather us cut our losses sooner rather than later, rather than sinking four more years into right. a lost cause. I also think but that he's—he's. An easier replacement than someone like Barco. I would, moment, I would agree with that because yeah, you're not getting you're much. You're not getting much it. out of that. You're not getting much out of the position as it is. Filming and what's the ceiling? Wet, and, and what's the ceiling at, at a certain age? And a, I mean, it's like, is he all of a sudden going to flip a switch and prove to be a completely different player? Yeah. And, I, look, I even looked at some. Of, I even looked at some of the. I went back and looked at some of his stats after the tournament ended, and I sat there talking to to Josh and. Uh, Josh and Sam, I was like, I, I don't even know what they saw in him to bring him to Atlanta United. It's like they saw a South American player of the year and thought, cool, let's grab him. But you look at some of the, st- the statistics and you're like, man, not only was he not a I – think, I think the best year he had was nine, like nine and seven, I think it was, which not that great. I mean, they're fine they're, they're, for, for a full year. That's fine, but not that great when you consider um, – you know what you're looking for in guys like in your DPS and right. the impact you want them to make. On top of that, I think Pity was the beneficiary of of good talent that was around him, and and um, whereas you would want your DP to be that magnet uh, that would draw defenders and kind of create chaos for 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 a you know for a back line, it was all everyone else that was doing that for for Pity at River, and he happened to be the guy that that was. Capitalizing on it, I'm going to finish this statement for him. Yeah, Eric froze. Hopefully, we didn't <laughs> lose him again. Forget. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, what do you yeah. guys think? It's kind of like the conversation with the FDB, right? Like how long do you give a player the benefit of the doubt any more so than you do a coach? You know, if, if your option is to take pity as a loss versus keeping him in that position, knowing he hasn't been overly successful in it so far, for how long do you do that for? I think so with pity, we were in negotiation with him before last year. I think it was almost, there was rumors about Pity Martinez in 2017, I want to say, even in 18. And the 17, 18, I mean, year season, he had, his stats were pretty good. Um, but I think it was more, I don't know, I, think, I feel like it was more of a hindsight purchase um because when we brought him in it was weird because we were kind of breaking that traditional Atlanta united um flipping mold um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting happens with pity i want to see him whoever the next manager they bring in i want to see him having a season with them and then if it's the same old stuff and he can't get it together then I guess you sell him, but I feel like I don't think, I think we hold on him for another. Yeah, I I think it's, I think that's a fair point. And I I think, I mean, to give the guy some, to give the guy some leeway. I mean, it's not like he hasn't it's, there's been kind of a volatile situation, right? He was brought in, not under the manager that he ended up playing under, right? He was brought in. I want to say whenever the team didn't even have a manager, right? I mean, Tata had just left. I think he thought he was going to play under Baro Scalotto. Well, what? Yeah. Yeah. He thought he's going to play again uh, under GBS and then that didn't happen, obviously. So, um, wow. Really? Well, yeah. Remember that was the rumor with Atlanta United that it was going to be, um, uh, Baro Scalotto coaching Atlanta United. Well, become, it was basically all, but decided that he was going to be with Atlanta United. And then for whatever reason that didn't, that didn't happen. I bet that's who we thought he was playing for. I have a feeling that Frank DeBoer was kind of like a last minute hire. Like, Oh shit! We got to figure something out. Right, I mean, you heard all kinds of names, right? Yeah, I mean, you heard all kinds of names too. Like Sampioli was part of it. Um, uh, I want to say even like Felipe Scolari, I think, was pointed at or you know talked about at one point. But oh, there were tons of names. Like Carlos Puyol was in there as well. And it's like, has Carlos Puyol even managed any team? I don't think he has. Yeah. Oh, but but he's from Barcelona. He's the center back from Barcelona. Golden year, yeah. He's like Spanish he was, guy. He, Never been with another team. Has only been Barcelona. So maybe that's not the greatest hire. Yeah. And so granted, Eric, he, who he, who is Eric? Who is your manager of choice? Do you have a top three that you want to see in Atlanta? Uh, Mr. Ted Lasso. <laughs> that's who I would like at Atlanta United, Mr. Ted Lasso. I don't. I honestly don't. I don't have a a a top. I don't have a name off the top of my head. I I just. I hope it's a Hispanic coach, um, for the sake of the fan base, and hopefully that that uh, lights something under Pity and Barco that that they can kind of use and propel to propel their career. Um, but outside of that, I. I don't really have a specific name. I, I I trust the front office now that they've kind of missed on Frank DeBoer to overcorrect in a big way. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully they don't overcorrect too hard, but 
uh, hopefully it's just enough to where they can, you know, kind of right the ship. And uh, again, I, I don't know. I don't know that whoever, even if it's Tata Martino still coaching Atlanta United, I don't know that you're getting the same exciting soccer you got in the first two years. I think you're getting, I think you're getting a, a slower version of, of that, but I still think you, you run into the same problems because what I think, Everyone seems to think that it was it was Tata Martino and then Frank DeBoer that slowed everything down. It was it, it was the front office that sold Miguel Almiron. Um, that ended up cutting ties with some of these other players. Um, that and really the big one is Miguel Almiron and the and the engine that he was for this team to play fast. Once you lose him, you, you don't you you didn't replace him with anything that was even close to comparable, and you don't you don't have that anymore. You don't have the me- mechanisms to play as, as exciting or as fast. Like I said that or last as, week, Eric. or as run and gun as you wanted to, you can talk about wanting to play that way, but with the, <sighs> with the, with the cast and crew you have now, Tata Martino couldn't do that with this team. Thank I don't you. think, I don't think that Tata Martino or Frank DeBoer had, I think Frank DeBoer got an unfair shake, but I also think it was clear. Ow. I think, it was, I, I think it was clear that he wasn't a great fit with the team either way. So I, I, I I'm going to do this thing where Eric talks, but, it, but Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like you, it makes sense, right? Frank DeBoer, Frank DeBoer didn't, didn't have the players to do anything close to what, to what uh, Tata Martino did in, in his two years here. So to ask him to do the same thing, I thought that the reason I liked the Frank DeBoer move is because since you knew Miguel was leaving, you needed a shift in tactical uh, style of play and, and formation and, and and whatever your 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 lineups were going to be. You needed a, a different mentality heading into the season. And it almost worked. You almost got three trophies out of it. And it seems like we all kind of forgot that that even happened with the talent that we have and, and had in 2019. Um, fine. Like fire Frank DeVore. I don't. I don't. It, it doesn't make a difference to me because I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that he couldn't connect with the Hispanic players, and the Hispanic players are are what you're kind of hoping to bring more of into this team. So I want someone that can that can establish that that connection, that can create that passion, that can be a little more um, eccentric with with his with his personality. You didn't have that in Frank DeVore, obviously, but. Um, to, to say that it was, it, it, I heard someone say that it was like it was a nominal success in 2019. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that with with the talent that he had, Frank DeBoer actually did a fantastic job. There's other circumstances that didn't make him right for the job, but considering what he had, considering what he did, I thought he did fine. Doesn't mean he's still the right guy. Doesn't mean he shouldn't be let go. But it was fine considering what, what we were looking at uh, as a, as a, as a roster for Atlanta United. Now, if you get, if you get Adam, you back into that 2009 or 2000, yeah, 2019 season and, and things aren't as exciting, aren't as, you know, run and gun on as fast, on as fast paced, then yeah, then I would fully blame. I would point at Frank DeBoer and be like, what the hell did you do? But what was the comparison? We heard, uh, you don't take a Ferrari and, and, what was that comparison? We don't take a Ferrari and then throw the keys away or something like that. I don't even remember what it was. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Well, especially whatever you look comparison. at. Yeah, especially whenever you look at your main gold generator in Joseph Martinez a year prior ends up winning the golden boot. He has a very similar trend in stats last year without Miguel Amaron. Like it's 
yes, the team took a little bit of a dip, but like you said, it was a personnel change and a change in a system. And Joseph still finishes what top three in the final yeah. standing in, in mm-hmm. goal scored. Like it's, it's not like it was some drastic fall off in the, the results, even though maybe the style on the way to get there was different, but you, it had to be, it was always going to be because the personnel groupings were different. Would you guys, um, would you guys rather have, uh, if we had won MLS Cup, would you have been happy with that last year, or would you have still wanted exciting soccer over the course of? No, if we'd have, no, if we'd have just won MLS Cup, that would be awesome. You wouldn't have cared. I would be expecting the same again. I would I'd not have given a single fuck if we like <laughs> if we won that. Yeah. With, but we did like, as a fan style. base. We did. Even no, th- we were. We, were, no, we didn't, didn't win them on We were a. We were losing uh, well, at home in an Eastern I, Conference final to a shitty Toronto team. A world beater, though. Like that goal was. Time out. So, we had the PK on. that Joseph missed. Hurt, hurt Joseph. PK right. uh, that Joseph missed. Sure, we didn't get to MLS Cup, but we probably right. should have. We were good enough. We should have. There. We were that good enough to be there. That, sure, that, I agree. Like, but in a one-off. In a, in, a one, Absolutely in a one-off situation, I can't put that on the coach. No, it was Brett no, Chase. I'm not putting it on the no. coach. I'm not saying you no, are, but I'm just speaking, <laughs> speaking, speaking generally. I I can't put losing a one-off a game like that to coaching to tactics when everything that you've done all year uh, was pretty consistent. There was a point where he kind of figured out he kind of had to make tactical changes because of because of injuries, but. Um, generally you were playing pretty consistently in the attack. This is another point you just mentioned about injuries that everybody overlooks, which was the fact that we didn't have all three DPs on the field aside from maybe four games all last season. Like everybody Mm -hmm. forgets that little tidbit about last year's run in its entirety, which is that you have three DPs and the majority of the time it's one, maybe two of them on the field at the same time. Yeah. And we were able to pull out wins. Right. Um, even even despite having Breck Shea on the roster, right? I mean, <laughs> so I have a question. I, I just don't know the answer to it as far as the coaching carousel and options that Atlanta has. There's no cap on the amount that they can offer a coach to come in or anything like that, right? Yeah, so, I don't think so. No. So Wild what West. Is the- what does the front office do? Do they go and try to hire somebody away that's maybe not available now that you try to lure in if if they really want to aim high, right? And like that's everything that Darren's talking about is like wanting to shoot shoot high, and even if they miss, their their name will be etched in glory or something like that. Even in failure, I think it was something along those lines that he said. Like you've you've certainly got the the financial backing and Arthur Blank to do something like that. Is that maybe the route that Atlanta takes? Is rather than looking for somebody that's available, looking to pay somebody that's not available, that's got a proven track record of success somewhere else right now. If we're to be sold this bill of goods by the Atlanta United front office, like we have been, I expect them to be contacting the higher end coaches. I don't expect them to be just looking to see who's on the scrap heap. Um because I think so that's what I, everybody that's what everybody's talking about, right? Is like, well, these guys are available and this person's, you know, it could maybe well, be it an just, option. You know, it irritates you know, you you hear like 
big names been thrown out by people and then you hear a scoff afterwards of, well, you know, he's just so unrealistic. Well, I, we're trying to build a global yeah, brand here. Give me, give, me, give me a name of who you're talking about. Uh, any Dirty South Soccer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if, if you're talking about big names from Europe, I don't know how they fit everything they've said that they're looking for, generally. Um, but, I have one name. I have one name. It's actually three names. And and hear me out. Louis Van Howe. No. Says hear you out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want a repeat of what we just said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Eric, ultimate, what, did, what did you say? I missed the comment. ultimate slap in the face. Uh, the, the, I, I, don't, I don't see where a, a, uh, a big name. The, the reason I don't think they're going after anyone in Europe, and I think they're going to stick to South America, because South America traditionally, those coaches are more accustomed to playing this run and gun style that, you know, was so exciting for right. everyone to watch. Um, not even, not even South American. It could be like a Hispanic, just generally a Hispanic culture. Culturally. Culture, I think it makes yeah, sense exactly. for the locker room. Right. I don't know that there's a, there's a name in Europe and I could be wrong. I don't watch a, nearly as much of uh, European soccer as I do MLS, but um, I don't get the sense that that's a, 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 uh, a no, traditional, a traditional characteristic of a big name in Europe. Normally, it's much more tactical. Normally, it's more what you see in Frank DeBoer. It just works. Um, so I don't, I don't see where all these European names getting thrown out. I'm like, nah, no, I, I don't. I, not, I doubt it. I doubt the European names. I but I'm feeling like Liga MX or somewhere in South America. That's where we need to be looking because Liga MX is a fun league. Those guys, I mean, it's not, it's not it's always the most forth, stable. It's back and forth. It's shooting basically at any opening that they get. That that's what I want to see more out of Pity and Barco. Stop going after these right. fouls. Take, take, rip it more consistently, or or uh, yeah, more consistently from outside the box. Right. Fine if it goes twenty feet over. Eventually, right. it's going to go in. If you right. six shots from outside the box, if one of them goes in, boom, there you, you've done your job for the day. Right. Barco, well, now you're we going to. That's how we're going to get our investments to mature is by playing that sort of back and forth style. I mean, yeah. but we want the back and well, we want the fourth uh, at a hundred percent. Just everybody taking. And shots we want the back to be at least time. controlled. And we which want Miles Robinson. Yeah. And we want the we want the defensive solidity that that FDB has implemented. Yeah. Agreed. I think we're in the best position now going into a our third season, so to speak, of this team, right, under management structures to take the best bits of what Tata instilled into the style of play and some of the more uh, reserved tendencies of Frank's system, at least defensively speaking, to come up with some hybrid system with whoever fills that position going forward. I want someone that can beat the Red Bulls press and that can – figure out a way at the same time <laughs> to destroy a team that bunkers because that's the, that's the other thing that uh, Frank DeBoer got a fair shake on. You played the Red Bulls first, then you played Cincinnati diametrically opposed teams in terms of how they play two, two, two styles of play that Atlanta United have never been successful with. And you put it on Frank DeBoer. No, we've never, Atlanta United's never been good against the Red Bulls. No, yeah. The tradition, the tra I will say, the traditional Red Bulls that we're, we're we you know we we love so much, the high right. press, the right. the the not Chris Armas blew it version of the Red Bulls, um, 
and Cincinnati, a team that is going to drop all 11 guys behind the ball, that Atlanta United, most teams aren't successful against that. But Atlanta United specifically has never been successful. So to blame that, those two games on Frank DeBoer was very unfair. Columbus is a different story. But I don't, I hope the front office isn't doing that. I, I genuinely think that this decision came down to the locker room and, um, an impasse between manager and players. And yeah. it was, it was a difference that was not going to be resolved. And ultimately once, once that transitions happened, it's not going to come back. And whenever you've got players leaving and walking out, walking out of training sessions, I mean, even Joseph, before he got injured, there were reports of him leaving the training field and stuff like that early, you know, all of that kind of stuff, I think ends up, it's just it's not something you can come back from ultimately and you're not going to get results if that's going to be the case yeah it's easier to replace one guy than it is to replace 20 guys right that's what it that's absolutely what it comes down to right absolutely yeah logistically the business behind it i mean if you're darren eels it's like well fuck like frank DeBoer was our guy but right but Right. If that means we have to replace this many players, then we have to find buyers for these guys and we have to go out and find replacements. Well, especially because I think it was coming off of last year where you, you had some dissent in the locker room, you know, looking, thinking about LGP and, and you see him go, go and, and play with a different team and then still make the transition back to MLS. And it's like, okay, we, we kind of gave you the benefit of the doubt with one or two of these guys, but now it's a repeating issue that carries over into a multiple year span. Like, where do, we got to draw the line somewhere, I think. And whenever it gets to that culmination point to where this team is not even winning games consistently or any, you know, projected outcome of the players wanting to play this system for him or anybody, you know, around that, that management structure you've got to do something. You got to take action. And I think that was the only thing that they could do. So any final thoughts? We are already well over the, the hour mark at this point. Um, Eric, what do you, what are you thinking out of MLS's back tournament? Who do you think ends up winning it? Uh, I mean, I hope it's Orlando. I really do. I want them to raise a trophy to no one. And I want okay. the Orlando fans to feel like proud about this moment only to just have it shoved back in their faces whenever someone actually wins something real in the actual MLS cup that happens <laughs> after this actual tournament, because no one's going to remember this tournament. They're going to remember this as a, as a thing that happened a, a it's the, the, the passing carnival before the real main event. Yeah. And then as far as your prediction for the remainder of the season, if, if it's 18 games, like we're talking, what do you think? What, how many points does Atlanta pull out of that 18 game? Stretch? I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect too much. I, as much Yeesh. as Stephen Glass probably has like the, the the best of intentions and is probably going to let these players just play, there's nothing I've seen that would indicate that Pity and Barco are going to get better suddenly under a guy like Stephen. No offense, Stephen Glass, but I just don't. I don't see that. I, I don't know. I throw a number out. Twelve. I don't know. Well, like, I, I don't wow. think it's going to be very many. Aaron. I don't think it's gonna be very many. This team is out to prove something, I think, and and that alone. This team know, is this. This I team think twelve is, this, is a lot. This team you is disjointed. You think it's a lot? Twelve what? games out of eighteen that we 12, win. Twelve points. Twelve points. Oh, 12 points. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. four I games, think, Dan. 
Yeah, no, get, wow. Talent around this team is enough to win more than no more than four games. I'm gonna say twenty five. Just I I don't historically teams don't do well under interim coaches. Um, four games though out of eight. Historically, bad. teams don't do well under interim coaches. On top of that, you've got. Uh, You've got a Hispanic culture of within that locker room that's not going to look at Stephen Glass and think, "Oh yeah, rah rah, let's play for him." I hope that's what happens, but I just I don't envision that. I hate, I hate, I hate it, but I also don't really, I don't know how much I really care because this season's kind of a wash anyway. What do you guys think in the trap and Tim and Dan? How many points this season? Uh, I'd say we'd win like fifty percent of the games. So 18 points? No, 27 points? There you go. I would put us right around. I would say probably – what is – hold on. I'm pulling up the – Well, this is going to be – so you're just talking about points on top of the uh, – from those 18 games because the three games we played in the group stage, that's already yeah. accounted to yeah. – yeah. Out of the 18 games, games, how many points does Atlanta take away from it? I'm going to say 25. Yeah. You say 27. Tim, yeah. what do you think? I'll go higher than that. I'll say 32. I'll say we're like at like uh what is that like one and three quarters points per game, something like that. Elliot Beaven saying 18. Uh Brittany S 22. Lindsay Wilson 20. Yeah, it'll be interesting to is see. Co- coach Steve says 27. Yeah. I think yeah, right on, coach. I think it's gonna be somewhere between 25 and 35, is what I'm gonna say. I, I will say I will say that this is a team I haven't seen play. Well, I think Jurgen Dam could make a, a significant difference. I think that uh, Kubo Torres could be a factor. Um, I think if you get a, a a solid defensive center mid, you bring in a solid defensive center center mid that can be relatively close to what you got you had in Nagby, then that obviously changes a lot of things. But the team as constructed right now. What have right. you seen? To, what What have you seen to think that they could do anything successful this year? I think that there's enough talent on that team, and under an interim coach, somebody looking at this team with fresh eyes may say, DP or not, maybe there's a better a better player than Pity to play that role. Yeah. Speaking of that center defensive mid, uh, players right now, you're going to have to change that lineup and see what's working for this yeah. team and what's not. No, working. you're right. So I think that there's enough talent around this roster. That that starting 11, there's a couple people that you expect to see in there. I think the back line holds firm regardless of, of what happens from the midfield forward. But that midfield forward is fair game in my opinion. And I think that you've got plenty of players more than capable to fill those spots. And then it's just a matter of figuring out what that mix-up is and how they, they integrate with one another. Yeah, we've had tons of roster turnover. We, we just don't know what we're going to get yet. It looks like Jonathan Gonzalez traveled to Lyon tonight with Monterey. So, uh, United Johnny Fan G. TV, yeah, Lenny United Fan TV saying it could possibly be his last game. But we thought that whenever he posted that sentimental Instagram post last week, too. Well, but, maybe that was his last home game. Oh, that's fair. That was that's actually a good point, Dan. Um, so, so my last question is: out of the full roster, who has a breakout? like standing and showing in these last 18 games. Jonathan Gonzalez. If he comes. No, when he comes. 
Wow, nice, Tim. Yeah, and he's gonna make. He's just gonna. He's just gonna shove USSF's face in it and say, "Look at what you could have had. Look at what you could have had, you freaking idiots." What do you think, Dan? Um, I mean, I feel like um, Robinson is a safe bet. Um, no, it can't would... be defense. Nobody on defense. <laughs> No, 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 fuck that. That's a cop out. Um, I mean, yeah, Rosetta is a good pick, Eric. I'm gonna go. Do you know what? Cubo Torres. Okay. Whoa, Cubert Torres. Cubert. Yeah, Cubert. I mean, you could be, you could be a game changer. He, I could be, he, could he, be a, could be a pile of garbage, Eric. It could be. It I, I'm leaning more towards pile of garbage because I don't know how much help he's going to have around him, but it's, I'm just starting saying. starting to sound like Barstool, guys. Come on, clean it up. <laughs> Who do you think, Tim? I already said Jonathan Gonzalez. Okay. What do you think? No, of the players that are on the roster, um, yeah. George Bellow, probably. I like that. I hope so. Especially if we play him more advanced on the wing, like he proved to be pretty effective during yeah, I the think, three games. Yeah, I yeah we need to just any... yeah don't give him any defensive responsibilities. Exactly, exactly. I was gonna say don't give yeah. him any defensive responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, seriously, just let him go. Tip, uh, uh, Kevin, come on, who's your pick? I was waiting for Eric. He oh, I said Rosetta. Oh, Rosie, uh, you pronounced it wrong. That's why I didn't hear it. Sorry, Rosie. Uh, I was being respectful to the culture. I think, I think Barco becomes a more like takes on more of a leadership role. I think that, I think that we may see a transition in him where, you know, for all the talk about pity submitting himself into that role or whatever between Joseph's absence. And I, I really think based on performance that we may see pity drop out of the lineup some. And I think that's ultimately what Frank was trying to do some last year. And the writing was a little bit on the walls from that standpoint. I know that he got a lot of flack for that last year with him sitting out of a lot of those games. I think that this year what's left of it. Um, I think Barco's the sky's the limit for him. And I think he's, Atlanta's best shot at capitalizing on the three DPs that have as far as a potential sale or trade. And if it's not this year, I don't think it's going to be much longer than next year at some point. And I think that out of the 18 games left, I think my money would be on Barco really having a standout showing, especially if he gets a little bit more support up top with some of these other players coming in and somebody that he can rely on to, to dish off the ball to. I think that that was a big issue with him in the MLS's back tournament where there was a lot of link up play between him and pity where he dropped the ball back to pity who did nothing with it and would run around in the circle and drop it back to the midfield. If he's got a little bit more consistent play up top to lean on, I, th- I think we'll see good things out of him. So I, I think if so. Baco can show that leadership, that's going to put him on the next level. Well, that's what we saw in the U 19s last year, right? Like he really came in and, he played great in the matches that he played last year uh, with Argentina. So, or was that the U twenties? I forget which one he's on. U twenties, I think. U twenties. Sorry. Um, well, that's what he did at Independiente. Right. Right. So, so we just haven't seen it yet. Look, I hope I hope you're right because I'm just I'm ready for this Barco Pity experiment to be over. I hope they both play lights out for the rest of the season. They get sold, and we don't have to talk about that I, ever again. I have I have way less faith in that being pity, but. <laughs> 
All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on with us, Eric. Where can they Amen. find you at and all of the all the content you guys are putting out until we have our hot sauce challenge? Uh Mal's the South Podcast at MOTS Podcast on Twitter. Um, follow us on Facebook. We are going to be recording uh this week's podcast either Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see what the schedules allow. I'm actually working on a non-sports podcast. Uh, starting it's a, gonna be a long form, basically a long form feature interview type of podcast. Uh, think of it as like a longer version of NPR type of stuff, storytelling type of deal. Um, that I actually start tomorrow. So I don't know how, when the finished product will be available, but the thing is, what is it called? Do you have a name yet? I don't have a name for it. Uh, basically it's going to be, uh, it's going to revolve around uh, the story of my dad's journey from Uruguay to uh, the United States. It's like a five-year journey oh, wow. uh, that involved him hitchhiking six months, hitchhiking from Uruguay to the Mexican border, and then getting sent back to Uruguay. Oh, jeez! Oh, wow! <laughs> Not knowing that he wouldn't. He, uh, basically, he didn't know it would be a problem. Oh, uh, spoilers! Got, Come on! Got, all right. <laughs> yeah. Enough said. Anyways, that's it. No, like I'm it. looking forward to hearing that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's a crazy story. That'll be great. That's awesome. All right, what about you boys? Dan, where can they find you? You can follow me at Dan JMS. Tune in next week to see if he makes it back for week four. Who knows? It's anybody's <laughs> guest. Uh, Tim, what about you? You can find me at Tim Herb. Great work on the table, man. Speaking of oh, hosts and oh, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Printer uh, scanner table. Yeah. Just trying to get Angie's uh, studio put together. It's almost Good done. Good job, Tim. And then I'm going to build my computer desk slash podcast desk whenever you know in-person stuff ever happens again if we run into that but. nice yeah. find me at the architect that's at the underscore arc number one t-e-c-t collectively at home before dark that's before spelled b and then number four um be sure to leave us a rating or review on itunes to hear those read aloud on the show we'll see you next week whether or not dan's here or not is yet to be seen but just like you guys we all hope he will be until then as always be home before dark no clever thing at the end, Dan. Where, where are we going to go? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 